Welcome to yet another episode of the Renactors Corner. And in this episode, you'll be hearing the F word quite a lot. As we discuss the best ways to keep your reenactments fun. everybody, this is Chris here again with Lassa for another episode of the Reenactors Corner Podcast. How are you doing today, Lassa? I am doing great. Um, what about you? Bought any new typewriters? I got a new typewriter in the mail last week. It was not working when it came out of the box, which was a disappointment, but I was able to fix it, which was great because um, I feel like my skill of, at working on typewriters is improving. Well, that's always good. I'm excited for our topic today. We are going to talk about why reenacting is fun, which I think is going to be something that's really easy for us to talk about. And also <laughs> to help talk about this, uh, we are bringing on uh, Ben Longfellow, who is a previous guest of the program. How are you doing today, Ben? Good, good. How is everybody today? Good to be back. I guess jumping right into this topic of why reenacting is fun. You know, I think first looking at the big picture, to me, reenacting is fun because it's a hobby and hobbies are fun. I actually feel bad for people who don't have a hobby because uh, I can't tell you how many times people say to me, oh, gee, during this pandemic, I've been so bored. I haven't been at work and I've had absolutely nothing to do and, you know, nothing to think about, nothing to occupy my time, which is a problem that I never have because... I can occupy my time with hobbies. It's like a project that you are working on that kind of never ends. It's something that, you know, captures my interest and that I enjoy doing. And it's kind of always there. Um, you know, and that, that would be true for, for any hobby, I think, whether it's like um, some kind of amateur sports or stamp collecting or whatever other kind of hobbies, even video games, I guess, right? It's like something that you can do in your free time and reenactment kind of is that although reenactment events don't happen all the time there's always something that you can do with reenacting when you're not at a reenactment like you can buy more stuff you can try to find places to put the stuff that you bought you can <laughs> work to make money to buy more stuff or whatever it is you know what i mean always um, buy more stuff <laughs> buying more stuff is always a thing but you can do research and you can maintain the stuff that you bought and um you know look, watch newsreels search on youtube or do whatever kind of research read books you know it's like a never-ending thing that you can do improve your impression change your impression get a new impression um upgrade your impression yeah it's uh, never a dull moment really yeah so that's one of the things that i like about it i like that there's like always something to do you can even uh you can go on Facebook and talk to other people who do it, and you can even make a podcast and talk about reenacting if you want. I mean, I wouldn't be doing reenactment if I didn't think it was fun, but do you ever have that moment at an event where it's like cold or like silly warm and you feel like shit and you're wondering, do you, like, do you ever stop to contemplate like, why am I here Oh, I had a moment like that last weekend. Uh, it was the weather was terrible, um, and I was driving in my car on these back roads to this remote site, and uh, there was some ice on the road. The car was maybe slipping a little bit, and uh, th there was snow on the ground, but it was also raining and misty, and I was just like, "What am I doing?" And uh, then I got to the site, and my friends were there, and we did an awesome thing, and it was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can be fun all the time, right? Like anything that you do is going to feel like work sometimes. Any almost anything that you do is going to sometimes you're just not really in the mood for it and um yeah, I definitely can relate to those times where you're you're at the event and you're not having a good time. Um 
why sometimes sometimes there you can ask yourself why did i choose to put myself into this situation i have a bed at home <laughs> my bed is comfortable i could be sleeping in that bed instead i am outside this is very uncomfortable i'm not going to be able to sleep i'm making myself miserable um but that's kind of fun too in a way at, like afterward yeah. In terms of reminiscing on it, in terms of also, well, I mean, experiencing what people from a historical time experienced, you know, it's, you can pat yourself on the shoulder for it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, yeah. Although I will say that one thing that makes it not fun is, uh, burnout. Um, say that you go to a site a lot of times in a year um, and do the same thing, you're going to get tired there, you know? So, yeah, that, that, that sometimes is not fun, but you got to change things up and do new things. I mean, there's different levels of fun, right? There's, like, fun where you're just, like, wildly having a good time and you're grinning, and then there's, like, satisfaction, which maybe is different from fun. And sometimes, I think it's fun sometimes to think, okay, well... How am I going to survive this weekend out here in the rain um, with no tent or whatever? And maybe it's fun to imagine how you're going to get through it. And then maybe when you're actually getting through it, it's absolute misery and you want to die. And then afterward, you have some satisfaction because you did it. Or, or maybe you don't have any satisfaction and you're miserable, but you're, you're, you'll try again next time and that'll be fun next time. A lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that. I mean, I've had several hobbies throughout my life, and none of those hobbies ever put me like in a situation where I thought like F this when I was like sitting and freezing in a foxhole covered in ice and snow and it's very cold and it's miserable and I can't feel any of my body parts and I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and everything is just like I can't even sleep because I'm cold I've never had a hobby that does that and I wonder why is it fun the only times where I've genuinely had a bad time at an event and these are rare is if there's some external factor in my own life that's bothering me that I can't sort of suspend when I attempt to do the suspended reality of pretending it's World War II. Um, but those are sort of very rare and few and far between. And at reenactments, what makes it fun for me a lot of the time is my friends are there. And some of these people are people who live far away and who I, you know, see very infrequently. So that is fun. But even with, you know, my local friends, it's... Uh, you're doing a cool thing with your friends and uh, there's there's a communal sort of fraternal um, aspect of it in that I have other hobbies too and I think all of them in some way are like arguably less fun than reenacting like for example uh, playing in a band where you tour around in a van with a bunch of people in the summertime and no one's taking a shower and you're sleeping on wooden floors and uh, people in every place that you go expect that you're going to drink 100 beers with them. I mean, that is pure hell. Um, <laughs> and another thing I like to do by myself is I like to search for um, like Indian arrowheads uh, on the ground, which is uh, a tremendous amount of staring at the ground. And, of course, the hobby is uh, looking for these things and not finding them because usually you don't find anything. So that's, uh, you know, and that, that you're out there sometimes in the heat or the cold or whatever. So that has its own uh, levels of misery and frustration. So certainly it could be worse. I mean, if you think about other hobbies people do, like fishing or whatever, you don't always catch a fish. The weather's not always what you wanted it to be. Or like travel. Sometimes travel is a big success, and sometimes travel is like a weird nightmare. So uh, not everything, I think, is going to be perfect all the time. But in reenacting, at least, there is like a, I don't know, there's a reason for the suffering in the sense where it's like, okay, well, uh, I'm trying to recreate a place in time when people were having a hard time, and now I'm having a hard time. So even though I'm having a hard time and it's not really great, you know, at least maybe I'm learning something or at least on some level I'm feeling like I can relate to these people that I'm trying to portray, you know. So it's almost like 
In other hobbies, you can just, it sucks and it just sucks. In reenacting, it sucks, but you, you're, you kind of wanted that or, you know, like that's how it was or whatever. You can justify it in some way in your mind. For me, so a lot of people collect. Chris, you collect, I mean, and people collect different things. Saying I collect too. World War II stuff, I don't like collect just anything. <laughs> I don't collect unemployment checks. Right? <laughs> okay, yes, fair, fair. Um, but so collecting has its own joys. You know, you get something in the mail. But uh, the thing about reenacting is you can actively use some of your collection. You know, you can, you know, you, you, you get uh, a piece of kit in the mail with the intention of using it. And yes, it sits in the shelf and your room and it, you know, sparks some joy in that. But then you... You take it in the field, say like a mess tin. You can use it to make food, and that's that's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so I enjoy that aspect of it—the sort of using your collection practically. I just like the stuff. I like the stuff a lot. I like <laughs> old timey stuff of all kinds, and like I will search for YouTube videos or even podcasts that just like discuss old backpacks because I think old backpacks are cool. I will eagerly watch some guy talk about you know a waxed canvas backpack from 1890 i don't necessarily intend to make or use an 1890 wax backpack but the idea of a cool old backpack just like appeals to me and that's actually kind of outside of even a world war ii sure. context just old stuff i think is cool and reenacting is a venue for handling and learning about and using old stuff so yeah the aesthetic of um sort of canvas and leather and wool and uh, it it patternizes uh, differently than modern synthetics and uh, develops a character that uh, that I like and when I was a kid I always used to sort of like to go to museums or old houses and uh, see all the cool stuff on the wall which is hundreds of years old but now it's all brittle and uh, you can't use it but with reenacting you could have new made items um, that are sort of in that aesthetic and you can use them as they were used back in the day. And uh, there's, a beauty to, there's a beauty to that. For our listeners out there, Ben has used the word patinize, which is a word that he has made up. So don't, uh, you know, I think it's a cool word, but just don't be fooled. He's just making that word up. I feel up. like I heard you use that at one Patinate. point. Patinate? Yes. <laughs> Maybe I did what use did he say? I believe you did. It's like solarize, you know? It's like a word that we would uh, use. Fair. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> what was the word, Ben? Padination? Or is it? Well, you, it's a patina is, yeah. is the kind of what builds up on a surface from, from time and wear. And as an object mm. acquires a patina, we say that it patinates. But Ben has... Yeah, but I mean Ben's word. Ben, Ben's word is patinize. I love how I'm in the company of Oberfighter the Thesaurus here, you know? <laughs> I like patent eyes. It's good. All right, we're coining it. That doesn't make sense. If it wasn't a thing before this, it's a thing now. I'm going to offer it as a service, a World War II patentizer. <laughs> it's a thing you could buy. They're going to associate you with General Patton. Nice. Or you could call it General Patton. General Patton's patented patentizer. <laughs> All right, this has gone. This has gone. This has gotten too corny. <laughs> All right, Lasa, what uh, what do you think is fun about reenacting? Well, as I said, it's like why is reenacting fun? Because I don't know. Because reenacting can be like the most shit experience I ever had in my life, and sometimes it can be like okay. Whenever we have fun, it's because we're sitting outside barbecuing at like post-event stuff and we're just talking and having fun but during the event I can't really say I've ever had like immense fun and I wonder why I think it's fun but I think it's just when I get home and start thinking about it and all the weird memories that come from it that I think that's why uh, that I think I think that's why I think it's fun well I think there are reasons to reenact there are reasons why I like reenacting other than that it is fun um, reenacting gives me perspective that I can apply to my everyday life. When I'm at like work on Monday and work seems stressful, I don't know, maybe it seems a little bit less stressful if my weekend was uh, suffering from smoke inhalation, trying to stay warm inside a hole in the ground on a, on a winter day. 
um, or winter night, right? Um, so that perspective is a, is a value that comes with reenacting. And of course, there are other things that you can do. You don't have to reenact to have like a bad time outside. I mean, you can just be bad at camping or, right, or be like a survivalist or something. There are people who do this kind of stuff as a hobby. You, um, you get at something else there, Lass, uh, just how weird it is, the weird memories. Like, I can't tell you all the Atla- all the outlandish characters who I've been reenacting. And, I mean, I'm in the company of what I would regard as outlandish characters right now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, and then you go, and then you go in the woods wearing a weird uniform and using, like, antiquated, out-of-date gear. And, uh, it's, it's... Strange things that wouldn't happen even on a normal camping trip just tend to happen. And uh, you kind of never know what's going to come around the corner. Um, You really don't. So, or like, and the crazy stories that people tell. And uh, it's it's fun in that regard. So, yeah. One of the things that I like to do... Um, or that I, that I think is fun about reenacting is that you go to places that you would never ever go to if you mm. didn't do reenacting. Like, I think about the historical sites where I've gone to them and done reenactments there, places that I never would have gone to, never mind to be able to sleep there and totally explore the place on my own, you know, in the evening hours when no one else is allowed to be there, or just, you know, beautiful natural places that are very scenic and yep. that are also private property yep. and so you can enjoy these things without other people being there places that most people wouldn't get to see because it is private like a military base or a, a warship you know sleeping on a warship that you go to a museum and then maybe a member of the staff gives you inside access to stuff that's off limits to the public and you get to see that you know or uh i you remember sleeping in the lighthouse in uh, that fort, right? Yeah, it was really cool. I never got to wake up in a lighthouse tower before, and I'll probably never have yeah. an opportunity to do that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but that was really cool seeing the sun uh, come up over the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, it was really neat. Or I mean, we did a, I mean, we've done events in a, uh, in a revolutionary fort, revolutionary war fort, which is really haunted, and uh, that's. It's, it's supposedly really haunted, right? Supposedly, supposedly Has really haunted. But, legends about it. Yeah, but, uh, and that's cool. Yeah, it is It is cool to be able to go to places that otherwise you'd never be able to see. You know, one thing that reenactment has helped me learn is how many streets there are in every small town that nobody ever goes down. And what's down those streets, you know? And it's it could be farms, it could be forests it could be rivers and rocks i mean it could be all this stuff but in reenacting sometimes takes you out of the regular everyday places that you would ordinarily go in your life and you're traveling to go to places that are not tourist destinations and they are sometimes really cool places and you get to explore them so i think that's really fun yeah i agree yeah, I have actually traveled to some very crazy places and seen, like, I mean, stuff I wouldn't have seen if I didn't do reenacting. And I think that, I mean, that's like, as I said, it's also part of the memories you have after events. Sure. I mean, Lasso, this is something which you and I have experienced. Um, so I did uh, two events in Norway. And. Um, I know for, you know, Scandinavians, this is common, but in the summer in Norway, I mean, like June and July, it never really gets fully dark. And, uh, and I had never seen this as an American. I, I had never, I, I had never sort of been outside at 2 a.m. and it, it's kind of like twilight. And, uh, I know for you, Lasso, you've grown up with that, but, you know, for, you know, other people who are from more south, it's uh, it's unusual, and I, I treasure that memory. Yeah, because above the Arctic Circle, you would have the midnight sun, but below the Arctic Circle, uh, you will have like a twilight at like the darkest, which is what you experienced. Yeah, 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 it's beautiful. Lasse, you also have the added fun thing of being able to do reenactment in places where World War II happened or where... Um, World War II soldiers 
did World War II stuff during World War II, right? So that that's that's really cool too. Yeah, it um, adds to it, I guess. Uh, we've been uh, reenacting on like coastal forts, and I mean on original battlefields too, in like Belgium and Normandy and stuff like that. The other aspect to it too is you meet people. I mean, in no other hobby, uh, through reenacting, I know I know people from all over America and all over other countries, and I still regularly correspond with many of them. And without this hobby, I, I wouldn't be able to say that, you know, I have, you know, friends in different parts of the United States and Europe, you know, including you, including yourself, Lhasa, um, without the hobby. And uh, so it's, it's really, it's really nice in that regard, you know, and then, you know, you go to see your friends and you have a good time, and they come to you and it's a good time. So, yeah. The social aspect of it can definitely be a double-edged sword in some ways, though. Yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> like, I've made a lot of friends in reenacting. A lot of my best friends are people that I met through reenacting. And, you know, I would not uh, trade the friendships and good times I have with those people for anything. But, of course, you're probably going to meet some people that you don't like, too. But I think that's true, probably, with any hobby. Well, I'll say this much. Um... The best and the worst people I have ever met have been reenactors. I have met some reenactors who are objectively terrible people, but reenactors are are also my closest friends. So, it's like, and sometimes the really terrible people, you know, they might be terrible in person, but in retrospect, it's it's almost comical to talk about how terrible they are, you know, or like, yeah. So I try to keep a positive attitude about it, but that's definitely true, Chris. I think that's true probably with almost any aspect of uh, any other social scene yeah. or anything like that I've ever been in had a mix of people that I really liked and people who were like, you know, subnormal or uh, toxic or evil or whatever, right? No, that's fair. That's very fair. And so, you know, you'll encounter people like that in reenacting, but um, you encounter you might you can encounter people like that at the, the supermarket. There sure. are just people out there who are sure. like that. Sure, sure. That's very true. But it is cool. It's cool to be able to, to kind of interact with people uh, in the reenactment scene, not only locally. You know, we're fortunate where we where Ben and I live. There's lots of reenactors that we hang out with, which is really cool. Um, but like like you said, Ben, even internationally and you meet people maybe online who are from other parts of the country, other parts of the world. And based on that shared interest that you have. You have something in common with these people already. You have something to talk about, and so it kind of opens the door for new friendships. Which yeah. certainly, it's not. I'm not in into reenacting to make friends, but it's definitely something that can happen as a side effect of reenacting. Certainly, sure. And I think that's because I mean, through reenacting, you you make very fast friends with you know new people because you already have that common interest, which is very, very niche. And you might be you know. The only or one of a few people at your high school, you know, of like, you know, a thousand people locally who, you know, thinks this is cool, but then you meet a broader community of uh, people who think this is cool. And uh, so, yeah. That's a good point, Ben. The fact that most people probably don't think that, like, uh, Hitler's Third Reich was something to try to recreate, <laughs> you know, right? Or like. Well, we're also a little <laughs> insane, you know? It's kind of insane on yep, the face of yep, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, you think that it would also be cool to try to uh, see if we can keep alive the worst thing that ever happened, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you have a, you have a point there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, the people uh, is definitely something that keeps me into the hobby, and especially, well, I shouldn't say especially, but like also I met like fantastic people abroad, and that has given me a place to sleep on my travels abroad as well, throughout Europe and in the in the U.S. That's good. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, um, you know, you'll like I say, there's good people and bad people in reenacting. All of the people who support this podcast via Patreon are awesome, super awesome people. Um, and then uh, everybody that I don't like is is terrible. You know, <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Uh, in some ways, you know, we we can talk. I think a little bit about the fun of like putting an impression together the fun of getting ready for an event and like all of the satisfaction and and fun that can come from the, everything that happens before the event where it's almost like um 
you know, you could, I could just like equate it to other hobbies, like where people make models or people make dioramas, you know, the act of making that model um, maybe is more fun than having or looking at the model itself. And it can kind of be yeah. like that with your kit or like be like that for a reenactment, you know? Ritual and routine, I feel like. Um, you develop a routine when you're preparing for an event. Um, you defarb <laughs> food and beer, you know, and uh, you maybe have a specific way that you pack your bread bag or your tornister, or if you're doing something else that other than German, whatever the equivalent of that is. Um, and, you know, checking all the pockets to make sure that you have everything. And uh, I've done this before, but, like, Sometimes I'll hang out with a few friends before an event and we'll prep together and there's a, you know, maybe drink a few beers and uh, there's, a, there's a communal aspect of it too because you're talking about the event and what's going to happen and uh, yeah, so ritual and routine I think, uh, I, think is, I think is something. I mean, it's funny that you say... Um people get a routine at packing and stuff like that and like their own specific way of packing the bread bag uh, i know that my unit members will agree fully to this but i've never ever actually been prepared to an event and my bread bag is packed the way it is since the last event because i never fix it ever well that's all right lasa <laughs> what do you mean what are you trying to say lasa you got food in there no, I have stopped carrying food in my bread bag because between events I can never get myself to like check what it's there. And sometimes I'll be surprised. I, I remember, I know I talk a lot about the Belgium event, but when I went to the Belgium event, we focused so much on fixing the truck and everything that I had one and a half hour total to pack my kit. When I came to Belgium, I did not know what was in my bread bag. It's okay. Packing my car uh, at the last event was uh, on the way back was uh, was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Ben nearly left his entire kit at the last uh, reenactment that we went to. <laughs> ben, that's part of the problem that happens, I think, when you bring too much stuff. You can't keep track of your stuff at the event. You well, know, no, this is this is this is a personal problem. If you bring two of everything. <laughs> Then, you know, maybe you have one of everything <laughs> in your car and then well, one more of everything is still uh, at the event site and you're driving away. Perennial problem, I suppose. The thing is, when you say packing your car is the problem, um, like already there you say you carry too much. When I pack my kit, I have like two bags total. And packing the kit would be putting two bags into the car. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, ben, ben needs to have two bags just for the stuff that he's not even going to use. <laughs> you know, never mind the stuff that he's going to use. That takes up the half the car anyways. So. Okay, okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> I've been there myself. There's a reason I don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I also am insane, as I think people have established. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, I really like being outside. I like camping. I like, um, waking up in a tent. I like the campfire and cooking outside and I don't have to, um, I don't have to wear a World War II uniform to do that stuff, but it doesn't hurt. Like a late spring or early fall night, you know, like it's not too buggy, um, you know, you see the, uh, you smell the canvas and you see the lights filtering in through the distinct pattern uh, of a zelt. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so, and something, just like waking up early in the morning and just seeing the world outside as it is, you know, at certain times of year. And uh, it, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, you kind of experience the seasons. You know, if you yeah. reenact through the seasons you'll experience being outside you know and and for for a lot of us who don't have outdoor jobs you know it's it's really cool kind of to have these scheduled set aside times where you get outside and and just kind of experience that and when i think about like uh 
there have been a lot of times at reenactments that I saw animals that were really cool, maybe wildlife that I never saw before. I saw a snowshoe hare awesome. at a reenactment one time, which is a giant rabbit that lives in this area, but you never see them. I saw one in a forest at a reenactment. It was really cool. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. The road trip aspect, too, can it can be pull your hair out aggravating. It, it can be awful. But I feel like, you know, the conversations that you have in the car, you really get to know the people you're traveling with um, when you're going to the event. And I feel like some of the strongest friendships I have formed in my life have been, you know, with other reenactors traveling long distance to events. Uh, which it's, it's cool, um, you know, and uh, you come to rely on the people in your car to, you know, keep you awake, keep you sharp, you know, with conversation. You make commentary on stuff you see sometimes you see some really weird stuff on the way and uh you know also if something happens you know that you know, the people in your car you know or the people in your group are going to help you out so yeah yeah there's a sense of adventure to a road trip yeah big like road trips in general are just fun and i mean i remember trying to plan road trips for the you know for the the longest time we had some people I you know went to school with and I was younger and they never came together but uh, road trips going to a reenactment it's sort of built in it's baked in the cake so yeah yeah know. there is a travel aspect of reenactment even you know Ben obviously you got to travel um, to Europe and do reenactments yeah. there and most reenactors probably will never have that experience but just every reenactor Almost every reenactor, you're traveling at least a few hours sure. away from where you live to participate in reenactments, and that's more traveling probably than a lot of people do. Sure, I mean, I just parts of the country. I've been to reenacting has brought me to parts of this own country that I I wouldn't normally go to. You know, rural Pennsylvania, um, Ohio, um, just like some of the more yeah Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> Would ever want to go there? It's such a great place. I know. <laughs> Youngstown's great. You know, don't please don't send us complaints that we said something bad. Well, sleeping in an abandoned factory in Youngstown, Ohio, is an experience that I feel like most people don't willingly do. Yeah, I mean that's fun. That's what's really fun. <laughs> oh, good lord! What do you think, Lassa? About road trips? I mean, I've traveled quite a few days total to. Um... During enactments, I have been road tripping through Europe to England for events, and I've been road tripping through Europe to uh, France and Belgium for events as well, as well as road tripping around Norway, which is a pretty big country, so that can be like easy 10 hours as well. And of course, road tripping to Sweden, uh, having my car stall and almost missing the event, and uh, other fun uh, <laughs> uh, road trip uh, adventures. Uh, road trip is um, it's very fun. I love driving and I love driving far and seeing new places. One thing that is fun when you can road trip through Europe is of course that you can go to like different tank museums and see like battlefields and other World War II related stuff as well as all the other things you can uh, stop and look at too. Sure, It's cool to uh learn new skills in reenacting I think is really fun like uh, Ben and I did kind of a micro event last weekend where we tried baking bread over a fire in a few different ways and it actually came out all right uh, and it was surprisingly tasty and was not super hard to do um, and that's like something that I never really would have tried to do and of course I never it's not like I've gone throughout my life thinking, geez, I hope someday I learn how to make bread over a fire. But it's just an interesting skill. It's an interesting cooking technique, I guess, that um, I now have some experience with and know how to do. And to me, that's fun. You know, the learning aspect is fun. It was rewarding. And I mean, the exaltation, I'll use that word, was real when we, you know, opened the mess tin and the bread was uh, baked into a loaf. Yeah, baked into a loaf. We were cheering. Um, because you know, we'd never done it before, and actually, I hate to sound pessimistic, but in my mind, I, I had a big meal before because uh, I basically I didn't have all the confidence in the world that it was going to work, and so <laughs> when it did, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Prior to the the actual like moment that we realized that the dough in the mess kits had been baked into loaves of bread, 
we were getting pretty desperate and we're just putting the dough on the fire, right? Like on the coals. We call it ash bread. Ash cakes. Ash cakes. That's like a real thing, though. That's I learned that somewhere. And it's uh, uh, funny. It was good. You know, you brush was off it? the ashes and you've got bread. Yeah. It was uh, proper good bread. Well, yes. I don't know if you would really call it proper good bread. I mean, it was good and it was bread. I don't know if it was proper, proper good bread. It came out of a fire pit. <laughs> you know, it had ashes on it, uh, but it was good. And I was hungry, so yeah, for me, it was just the best bread I'd ever eaten because I was, you know, I was so hungry. <laughs> Oh, my God. But just like all the skills that I've learned through reenacting, you know, whether it's um, marksmanship stuff that you can learn through practice or um, how to fill out paperwork, the handwriting stuff that I do or um, how to set up a tent, how to choose a campsite, you know, how to cross a, a river or a million other things like that, you know, or just even like the most basic stuff. I know we've kind of talked about this on the podcast before, but how to make a fire pit, how to make a fire, you know, real simple outdoor type stuff. You've got this vast range of things that you learn from the most simple possible stuff, like how to keep your feet from being too cold if you have to sleep outside on a cold night, to this hyper, you know, complicated, nuanced, you know, how to operate uh, vintage technical equipment, right, that, you know, requires some some skill or, or research even so the art of may have been lost there is definitely not commonly practiced you know right, right. yeah maybe there's nobody to ask because nobody knows and yeah. you have to try to piece it together through old books or, yeah. or whatever you yeah, know which and is that's... The, a research component you know you're sure. always honing your research skill um for me also i do like maintaining my kits after events um i i think repairs are pretty cool um there's it's stuff like sewing buttons or greasing leather I find to be therapeutic in in some senses so yeah I enjoy that and it 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 pays dividends later at the event you know when your boots are waterproof or your uh you know your uniform is uh is you know repaired or has all its buttons on it (laughs) I just think we're in a lot of ways in our modern world we're disconnected from human experience of the past we're disconnected from nature we're disconnected from repairing your clothes you know like um you got a pair of jeans the button for the fly blows out you throw the jeans away you know in reenacting it doesn't work that way and it didn't work that way for people in their daily lives for hundreds and hundreds of years you know so reenacting it can be fun in a way that it kind of gets you to your own kind of roots as a human being you know what people experienced even though the time that we portray was not that long ago it's still within human memory but it was a very different time and that time might have had more in common with 200 years ago than than our time does certainly you know, it might have had more in common with 200 years ago than it has with our time in some ways. Yeah, you're, actis- you're accessing a sort of, you know, collective consciousness that the information age has really, uh, I wouldn't say obliterated, but definitely curtailed. Um, change, change, you know, the internet and technology has changed how we interact with our world yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, big time. Big and time. if you're reenacting a pre-internet time, or like a pre, I don't really know how to call it, right, before think world war ii world war ii germany was so different from now they just didn't have modern the society was totally different sure 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 and uh it definitely is fun to feel like you're getting more in touch with that human past yeah big time big time plus um you can get like wildly drunk at the events (laughs) oh yes Oh yes, yep. Yeah, it's 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 a good time. Lassa, you guys do like uh, beer beer tents, right? All the time, I assume. I know that's actually more exclusively British, but I have been at English events, and I I was pretty hungover for a few days. Uh, we actually don't use that much alcohol because either we're in the woods uh, reenacting frontline, or we're in uh, like a barracks. Uh, uh, situation where we are not allowed alcohol, but um, 
Now we try to sneak in some uh, alcohol when it's um, when it's suitable. Party zones are always fun. Um, there is a party often at reenactments. Yeah. Not at every reenactment, and and maybe not at most reenactments. But some reenactments, there is a party at these things, and the party can be really fun. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Big time, big time, big time. You know, and you don't have to. No one's forcing anybody to participate in a party. But at some events, especially the big events and big public display events where you're spending all day answering questions from tourists and stuff, and then at night you're kind of just allowed to do whatever you want and maybe something, maybe the situation doesn't really lend itself to doing something from World War II. So maybe you do a more 21st century thing and just do, you know, extreme heavy drinking or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I... <laughs> There's also, I mean, there's a sort of community aspect, too, to that, where, like, basically, you know, you're hanging out with people from, oftentimes, different states, you know, different walks of life, and it, sometimes it's just fun to get trashed and see how they are when they get trashed, you know? Well, that's one way to get to know somebody, right? You really yep. see somebody at their worst when they're, uh, you know, throwing up, right? Vomiting uh, into a moat? Uh, <laughs> or is that uh, too soon? I don't, even, I don't even remember what we're talking about, but anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I know what we're talking about. I don't know how dice we want to get. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, it's just uh, I I think that when you're reenacting World War II, you've got to be serious about it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't also have fun and like party with your friends, yeah. especially. If you've been reenacting for a little while, you will have met many other people over time. Yep. And these might not be people that you see even once a year. They might be people that you see every few years. Yep. So when everybody gets together again, it can kind of feel like a reunion, a friend's reunion. You Big know? time. Big maybe time. you want to you know, raise a glass to your, your old friend that you get to see again. Yeah. Um, you know, th I think... Some people would levy criticism at reenacting that, oh, there's too much drinking in historical reenacting or there's too much drinking in World War II reenacting specifically. And I think there's probably some merit to that. You know, that that could be a topic for a whole other episode. But um, I think there are times when it's when it's appropriate for people who are adults to, you know, throw up or whatever, right? <laughs> or whatever. Very good. Well, I mean, if we want to drink, we usually just meet up. We don't do it at events. Yeah, that's but but then again, you know, sometimes there are some people who I'm never going to see outside of an event, even some local people that I like. And by local, I mean, maybe they live like in the next state or two states away. Maybe they live a two hour drive away or whatever. And I'm not going to be able to I'm not like friends with this person. I'm not going to be making a special trip to go to this person's house or vice versa but you know they're it's fun when i see them at reenactments never mind people who live really far away you know like lasso the chances of you and i if we ever get to meet again i which i hope we do it's probably going to be at a reenactment almost certainly yeah i'm just really really interested in world war ii that's what all of this stuff comes down to for me is this like fixation on world war ii and so I spend all this time looking at pictures and newsreels and, you know, reading about it. And then you can go to an event and actually see with your own eyes something that looks like a picture that you saw. You know, you can see a column of, of German vehicles with camouflage on, like coming over the horizon, you know, or see rows of troops marching on a dusty road. And or moreover, you can be the picture. Right, and you're in it. Yeah. Right, it's you are. Only, yeah, you, you're not just looking at it. You're in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome to me. And I, I know it's not the same, right? Like, I know it's not World War II, right? To be clear, uh, I am aware that what I am doing is not actually fighting in World War II. But, not totally delusional. <laughs> <laughs> but um, nevertheless. You know, you're putting yourself in a visual setting that is the same as what you see in photos. And that's that's awesome. That's really, it can be beautiful. I think that uh, World War II pictures, as much as they show the, the crimes and the brutalities and the suffering, you know, and never to lose sight of that, that's important. But they also show something that is, I think, very beautiful you know it's this 
the combination of the uniforms, the gear, the the settings, the people. Humanity, dude. It's, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. we could probably get too philosophical here, but it is something simple, something... The, the foot soldier living on the ground who has nothing, you know, embodies some primitive aspect of humanity that I think is Definitely an special. archetype, you know. Definitely it's an archetype. archetype. It's a historical figure. And, you know, to see something that looks like what those historical figures saw is, uh, it can be a real thrill. Sure. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at something like that and find that I'm smiling. You know, and it, it could be, I could be, it could be raining, it could be cold, it could be too hot, I could be covered with sweat, but I'm smiling in spite of myself because it's like, wow, that looks amazing. They did it, we did it. Like, you know, the people that I'm looking at are putting together a really realistic portrayal. I am here with, as part of this event that's creating a realistic portrayal, and that's yeah. just so. Yeah. So, so there's something really special in that, and that's something that you can't find really anywhere else i can buy original stuff and put together mannequins but that's not the same as you know seeing rows of of troops marching in the dust totally agree it's just a cool thing no it's true and also like uh just not ever having to worry about having too much money you know that's a real <laughs> relief <laughs> oh good lord but uh yeah, I'll say reenacting is uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life, except from a financial dis- uh, uh, perspective, in which it's one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. It's definitely <laughs> expensive. But then again, Ben, you are trying to have as many impressions you can and as much stuff that you can, and apparently you bring all of this to every event. I feel I've cut back. Chris, you can be... Oh, yeah, you, Ben's cut way back. He showed up at the house today with a Swiss helmet, a Danish helmet, and Polish. a Polish helmet. But those aren't for impressions. Those are for collection. Mm. That's different. That well. goes back to hobby. Okay, all right. Very good. <sighs> no, Ben, I think, to be fair... Ben has cut back on some of his snowflake, like, you know. It's possible that Ben's days of wearing a different uniform to every event that we do in a year. I was out of control. Year, I admit it, I was old. out of control. <laughs> yeah, I was out of control. But uh, I really am not in a position to talk because uh, Ben and I basically had to crawl into this room, uh, the recording studio here in my mansion, because it is just so full of stuff really you wouldn't you wouldn't even believe my much foot stuff. is touching a typewriter um yeah be careful with that typewriter over yep, there yep and some other what is this thing those are slides that very, i scanned very good a lot of clutter very good anyway let, enough about my room <laughs> it's okay mine is mine is no better at home i'm still getting organized and you can't step you can't set one foot forward without tripping on a helmet so that's good that's what you want. Reenactment's uh, fun. You get exercise. The exercise is good. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. You um, can uh, go on the internet and make fun of people if you want. That's another fun thing that some people enjoy about reenacting. Yep. 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 All sorts of online arguments. No yep, creating those, arguments you know? with other reenactors. That's yep. always fun. Winning. <laughs> that thrill when you win, when you defeat another reenactor in online combat. It's, you only get that from reenacting. The sparring, you know, it's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> and then most of the time, in person, everybody's friendly. Everybody's very friendly. And that's good, too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they mostly only talk shit behind your back. It's kind of how it goes. Yeah. It's kind of how it goes. <sighs> Let's see. What else haven't we covered? I think we've covered pretty much most of it. Lassa, did you have any other reasons why reenacting is fun that you wanted to talk about? No, I think it's a open philosophical question. And for me, I think it's just the memories that come after events. Yeah. Definitely is you're making memories doing it, having real memorable times. I can't imagine uh, anybody could participate in World War II reenactment and not walk away from it with memories that they're going to have for a long, long time. Even during, I mean, we've done some, I know some people who basically in this last year um you know when everything's been terrible they really haven't done anything um you know and uh we've done a few we our schedule has been limited but we've still done some things and it's it's made some memories to get through uh you know a 
2020 was a bad year, and it made some good memories to get through that, so... And even stuff like my collection, you know, having that, maintaining that, um, it gave me something to do during a otherwise kind of bad year for the world. And so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, circling back around a little bit to your point, Lassa, about that it's a philosophical thing and it's different for everybody. You know, you're totally right, and we probably should have just addressed that at the very start, that, you know, I'm talking about the reasons why it's fun for me, Ben's talking about the reasons that it's fun for him, and those reasons could be different for every reenactor who does it. For some people, the fun might be, I love handling the weapons, I love learning about the weapons, having opportunities to shoot these weapons that I previously only saw in movies or museums. Yeah. You know, for some people, the fun might be all about the vehicles, the trucks, the tanks, and the motorcycles, yeah. and, uh, you know, for every person, or just... Some people might um, think that it's fun because they re it relates on some level to their own military service, you know, but in a different way. Uh, or maybe somebody is the leader of a group of reenactors and likes that feeling of, um, you know, being in charge and taking care of people or whatever it is, right? Sure. Maybe, some, you know, are cooking for people or whatever it is that people want to do. There, there are so many different outlets for that in reenacting, so... There are probably as many reasons why reenacting is fun as there are reenactors. And we also found out that Lasso doesn't have fun at reenactments, but after reenactments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe you have fun before reenactments too, right? Yeah, I know you have fun Not at with reenactments. You had fun at uh, that event that we went to, Lasso. I saw you having fun. Yeah. Look, maybe Norwegians that just is don't true. have fun as a cultural thing, you know? Oh yeah, that's probably, it could be a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe Norwegians just aren't fun. <laughs> I'm not saying that I think that's the case, but maybe. We're discriminating here. All right, that's enough uh, ethnic discrimination. We will close out this episode on that note. Um, thanks to everybody for listening, and I hope everybody stays safe. And uh, to all of you, I will see you in the field. See you in the field, everyone. See you in the field. Before we go, you may want to check out Feller Kopf over at german-worldwar2.com, that is german-ww2.com, uh, where they sell lots of pocket litter and a lot of cool paperwork stuff. And you can get 7% off of your next purchase there by using the discount code PODCAST2020, that is PODCAST2020, at checkout. Once again, uh, and as always, thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retro Man, for editing this podcast. Thanks, Mike.